0: Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the Gospel has the power to transform your whole life, all your life. We hope that you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. Good morning. Welcome. So great to see everybody here. And it's awesome that we get opportunity to speak about the garden today, as you've seen particularly if you're visiting or you haven't been around, been on holiday or whatever, you've seen that we have worked our way around the house, uh, 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 what we've called the summer house and uh, looked at the the dining room and the living room and the bathroom and the bedroom and uh, the upper room. We had an amazing time of uh, worship in all our services last week and today we're looking at the garden. And I know that... uh quite a few we've covered quite a lot of ground and quite a few issues uh and we just wanted to make sure that everyone had an opportunity to you know like if you don't feel that you've had opportunity to outwork or discuss some of the things that have been brought up uh in the uh, last uh, uh four weeks then you can by all means uh, email pastoral at heartchurch.co.uk pastoral at heartchurch.co.uk and that will uh, be picked up by Wayne, uh, head of our uh, pastoral care and he will make sure that you get looked after. And also just while I'm covering a bit of ground here before we get down to it, just a reminder that next week we've got Alpha starting, which is absolutely so exciting, phenomenal opportunity for people who are on a journey to faith or never even really consider the faith. That is something for maybe someone you know or to someone for someone you uh, should bring along. And then of course, same week, we've got um, Freedom in Christ, which I like. I don't care whether you've been a Christian two weeks or 20 years, that is a phenomenal course. And uh, it will, if you can go through that course and deal with the issues that it raises, I'm telling you, you'll be setting yourself up for success in your Christian walk. And I really encourage you to do that. But today, we're here to talk about the garden, and uh, it's just really uh, maybe something a little bit lighter. I don't know, maybe it's not that light. Um, for bank holiday weekend, but I just wanted to share some things that I felt uh, the Lord has spoken to me about as I've done the garden. You know, Genesis uh, speaks about the fact that, that God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there He Put the man he had formed. I don't know about you, I wonder, I wonder what a garden that God has planted looks like. Pretty, pretty awesome, I would imagine. And then he put man in the garden. And I think that's interesting that out of all the environments in, that God could have created, he created a garden to put man in. Now, I know that some of you, you're thinking, oh, you know, like, the garden, what, you know, what, I don't know, the garden, what's that? That, you know, uh, you, it's not something you're interested in. I think maybe it's a little bit of an age thing. Uh, we went to uh, a garden center not too long ago, Lynette and I, with my son uh, Joseph, and uh, I was absolutely loving it. He thought his life had ended. But, um, you know, I think that, I think there's lots of wonderful things that God has has taught me by being in the garden. I'm going to share some of those thoughts with you and link them uh, to the Bible and then we'll finish on on, on a thought in regard to the garden. But I want to say that I I just think there's something about the garden uh, and that, that God wanted to teach man something. It's amazing to me that, as I say, God put man in the garden, but He wanted, he wanted man to have dominion over the garden. Right. Yeah. I, I think that it's, it's interesting that, that God created an environment. He created an environment in which He wanted man to influence that environment. Yeah. Kind of the first point that I want to make that, he wants us to understand that, that God will give us an environment, but He wants us to influence that environment. So that, that we, we, we're called to be salt. We're called to be light. Uh, the thing about the garden is, even the garden that God gave, it pushes back. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, I cut the grass yesterday, but next week the grass is going to need cutting again. I plucked up some weeds yesterday, but there are going to be some more weeds. The The garden will keep pushing back, but God has given me the ability and the wisdom to have dominion over that environment. And of course, what am I getting at? It's not just about your garden. It's about, it's about your office. It's about your home. It's about your classroom, your lecture hall. You, you can have dominion. You can influence that. Environment, and indeed, I believe that God wants you to. God does not want us to be controlled by our environments, He wants you to have influence over your environment. So, this um, it will lead to my kind of first point. Got a, so, I've, I've taken some photos and some video clips with my, my phone, so forgive me, they're not like the usual standard of, of media. But we've got a, a first clip here that you can play for me. This is something that I took out of our window. And uh, there you go. They're the foxes that have got into our garden. And I know what you're thinking as they're playing and bouncing around there that they are, they're so cute. But let me tell you something about those cute foxes. They eat my plants, they poo all over the garden. They are not great. I I, I was not thinking how cute those foxes were. I was thinking about how I could get rid of them. And I was reminded of those verses from Song of Songs, which says, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. So what I'm going to do today is I'm just going to give you a few points. It's like I'm laying out a buffet, putting out a smorgasbord out there, and you can be able to take something away from it. Okay, just in case you're looking for continuity over every single point, this, this is the most, probably one of the most random sermons you've ever had. But don't worry, it's all going to be all right in the end. So what I, what I want to say is about those foxes. Firstly, I couldn't work out where they were getting in coming in my garden, putting on my grass. Every time I was trying to mow the lawn, I was having to go around picking this up. I was thinking, no man, where are these foxes coming in? And and it was interesting. I I couldn't find it. And then eventually I went behind the bushes and I find two little gaps. Two little gaps in the fence, uh, in the boundary fence. And, and I thought, no, my, really? Are those foxes coming here? Uh, and, and I tested it and I, and I blocked up those gaps and the foxes did no longer come to visit. I wanna, I wanna say something to us that, that where there's a gap in our boundary, yeah. stuff can get in that we don't wanna get in. You see, I could, I could, I could, I could pray till kingdom come against the foxes. Oh God, I bind those foxes. Oh God, I drive those foxes out. Oh God, just send an angel to push those foxes away. I can pray till kingdom come, but the truth is God has actually given me the ability to do something in my garden about dealing with those little foxes coming in and making their mess. What is the stuff that you need to do? What is the stuff that you can do? Is there some stuff that you're praying about that you need to stop praying about and just do something about because God has given you the ability to block up your boundaries where the little things are getting in and ruining stuff. Maybe maybe there's a gap in your boundary fence by what you by what you're thinking. Maybe maybe your thought life is is allowing stuff to get in and mess you up. Maybe maybe there's a gap in in maybe you're opening up a gap in your boundary fence by what you say your confession is wrong. You're saying stuff that is robbing you of your joy. Maybe yeah, maybe this is is this stuff that you are are looking at you know I, the the enemy will take the foxes were taking um, they were taking opportunity of of the vulnerability in my boundaries. The enemy will always take opportunity of the vulnerability in your boundaries in fact there's a there 's a uh, a scripture in Nehemiah where we find. That Nehemiah four, it says, but when Samballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. Let me tell you, the enemy is always angry when you are taking authority in your situation and you're closing the gaps. I believe that some of us, we need, to, we need to close the gaps in our families. Some of us, we've had stuff happen in our families for generations. And now in your generation, it's an opportunity for you to close the gap, to stop the enemy getting in. Maybe, maybe all previous generations have been in debt. But your generation, your generation is not going to be in debt anymore you're going to live to a different level. Maybe, maybe in every other previous generation, there've been divorces, but now in your generation, there's not going to be a divorce. I don't know what it is where you need to close the gap, but what I want to say is, stop complaining about the foxes. Do something about the gaps. Close the boundaries, in, close the gaps in your boundaries, and the foxes will stop getting in. Now, it's interesting. This bit kind of leads to my next point because I was having this experience where I was getting up in the morning and finding like feathers scattered on my lawn. Like we have, we have wood pigeons come. In fact, we used to have, a, we used to have a, like a bird table. I got rid of the bird table because every wood pigeon for miles around was coming to my garden. And so I got rid of the bird table. But these, these wood pigeons were now, they were, they were, they were, I was finding feathers, which means that those pigeons had gone to be with Jesus. Because I haven't seen any naked pigeons around. So I knew that those pigeons had gone to be with Jesus. And the interesting thing was, you see, I was blaming the foxes. I was blaming the foxes until I closed the gaps. And now the fox wasn't getting in anymore, but I was still getting dead pigeons. Now I'm blaming next door's cat. Cat coming around here, killing pigeons. I, I'm not even joking. I was there with the vacuum cleaner cleaning up those feathers. Do you know how difficult it is to get those feathers up? You're looking at me like I need help. I probably do need help. A little bit of OCD tendencies, but I was getting rid of those feathers. It was everywhere. Anyway, it, it wasn't the cat. So I want, I want to show you what it was—a sparrow hawk. Now I've got to tell you, I wasn't thinking about a sparrow hawk. You see, how do you know it's a sparrow hawk? Because I came home one day and found it in my garden, finishing off its pigeon. The point I want to make is the problem isn't always what you think it is. Sometimes you are thinking the problem is, is what you're measuring it against what you know. I knew about foxes, I knew about cats, I didn't have a sparrow hawk on my mind. But the cat and the fox was not the problem. I was drawing conclusions from what I knew. Now, obviously, the fox is something you can do something about because I can close the boundaries. How many of you know that this is a tension to be managed, not a problem to be solved? Because I can't can't solve this problem. I can't cover my garden in netting. So the sparrow can't get in. So it's a tension to be managed, not a problem to be solved. But it got me thinking. It got me thinking about what could it be that you're, you're looking at a situation and you're blaming the wrong thing. See, maybe, maybe the problem isn't that my wife doesn't understand me. Maybe the problem is that I'm not sharing what I really think. Maybe the problem isn't that my behaviour is unreasonable. Maybe the problem is that your expectations are out of kilter. Maybe the problem isn't you. Maybe it is them that's being unreasonable. Maybe the problem isn't that they're irritating. Maybe the problem is that you've not forgiven them. Maybe the problem isn't that you're not earning enough. Maybe the problem is that you're not budgeting properly. Okay, I'm going to talk to this end of the room because those guys, those guys are all sorted. You can tell that because they were looking at me like, you see, we we can blame the wrong thing. We can be presented with a problem, but we're, we're actually looking at the wrong thing and we need to address the right thing. Maybe the problem isn't your job. Maybe it's your attitude okay, I'm going to move on because I can tell that some people are going to start getting upset. Could you be judging the problems around you by what you know when actually it's being caused by what you don't yet know? Sometimes the most dangerous thing is that I don't know what I don't know. Maybe God needs to show me some things. Turn to someone and say, the problem isn't what you think it is. Now, let me show you something else. Kind of link. but my next point. Put, me up, put up my next photograph, would you please? There you go. Now, my next point is this. It looks pretty, but it's killing you. See, that's a nice little flower. And actually, it comes in like a vine and there's loads of flowers like this, but this is called bindweed. In fact, while I'm talking, there's a little bit of a video that they're gonna show you. And it's gonna give you a little idea of what, this stuff does. Trust me, this stuff grows so quickly and it wraps itself around everything really, really tightly. And once it's taken hold, it's really, really difficult to get rid of. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus telling me the parable of the sower, He says this, listen, what do you make of this in Mark 4? A farmer planted seed as he scattered the seed. Some of it fell on the road and birds ate it and some fell in the gravel. It sprouted quickly but didn't put down roots. So when the, came, the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. But some fell in the weeds and as it came up, it was strangled among the weeds and nothing came of it. In fact, Funnily enough, when Jesus talks about this, he talks about the worries of this world. See, worries of this world, the worries of this world, the worries of this world, worry, worry. It's like bindweed. It, it, it grows up in your life and it wraps Itself around everything and strangles the joy out of your life. It 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 it, 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 it strangles um, uh, all the the excitement out of your life. It strangles your energy. See what what could it be in your life that looks good? It looks okay. It's like mm, you know what? I'm fine because he does it or she does it. Huh. The thing is this, and what I've learned is that it's not what everyone else is doing, it's what's important to me. What does, what does, what does the Bible say here? The Bible says in First Corinthians 10, watch this, it says, We are allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for us to do. We are allowed to do anything, but not all things help us grow strong as Christians. I don't know why it is you can watch that program and I can't. I don't know why it is that you can go there and I can't. I don't know why it is that I'm okay with that, but you're not. I don't know why that is. What I do know is that we're called not to judge each other. We are called to love each other. And just because you can, it doesn't mean I should. In fact, just because I can, it doesn't mean I should. What is it? What is it that I'm doing? It looks pretty, but it's killing me. I'm, I'm doing stuff that it looks okay on the outside, but I know what it's actually doing to me and doing to my life. There are some things that I need to become unraveled from. There are some things that I need to let go of. Reminds me of that story of the the eagle who swooped down and scooped up that weasel with his talons and began to ascend, 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 higher and higher. And while he was ascending, the weasel was biting into the chest of the eagle and it flew and it flew and it flew, but eventually both Uh, Eagle and weasel came down from such a great height, crashed to the ground, and both were dead. The eagle died not because the weasel was stronger. The eagle died not because the weasel was bigger. The eagle died because he wouldn't let go of what was killing it. You need to let go of what is killing you even if it looks okay, even if you can justify it, even if it looks pretty, even if you say, well, it can't be that bad, you know it's killing you. Get away from it. Stay away from it because it's not helping you become the person that God wants you to be. Now, as I've said, bindweed grows quickly even when you don't want it to grow quickly, it grows quickly. But the other thing that I've learned is that wanting things to grow quickly doesn't make them grow quickly. I think one of the things the garden has taught me is patience. I had a lesson with patience with this. If you just pop up my next um, photo, you, you, it doesn't look much, but what that is, I had a goal. You know, if you take, if you take a avocado a seed, a stone, and you can suspend it with cocktail sticks in water. And I feel like this is way too much detail now. But uh, uh, eventually, that that nut will crack, and, and and it will begin to shoot. and And I imagine this thing happening a lot quicker. I kept looking at it. I kept staring at it. Like somehow, my staring at it was going to make this thing grow. Trust me, it does not make it grow. You just end up frustrated. You know, there are some things that you just gotta be patient with. They take time. Now, there are some things in life that are not great when they're slow. Cues. Cues are not great when they're slow. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Service in a restaurant. Have you ever sat there They're taking your drinks order and then left the planet. There's one thing worse than slow service and that's slow service in a fast food restaurant. It's like, wait a minute, is this not supposed to be quick? Is this not what you are supposed to do? Another thing that drives me crazy when it's slow is internet speed. Slow internet speed is of the devil. I haven't yet found a scripture, but I'm going to find a scripture That supports that because it is not of God. I can tell you that for nothing. But equally, there are some things that are not meant to be done quickly. If you want a decent wine, it's not produced overnight. If you want a nice cheese or a nice Stilton, then you know what? That's not that, it takes time to do that. If you want a diamond, diamonds take time to produce, it's what makes it valuable is that it has taken time. Now, either we can choose to be patient or we can choose to stress. See, I can sit watching the seed saying it's not growing it's not growing quick enough what's the wrong with this seed why was not it grow what's the right is it, is it the room is it the light i don't know what's wrong with this what is right i can i can i can do that or i can just let the process take its time trust god and the process i'm telling you right now right now as i'm speaking that's a word for somebody trust god and the process just let it just there are some things that won't be rushed. God is on with it. God is on with it. God is doing it for you. You stressing about it won't encourage it. It actually hinders it because you are not at your best when you're stressed. You're not at your best when you're stressed. You, you need to let go, trust God and trust The process. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You see, there's a proper time. There's a proper time to reap a harvest. My next point is the tale of two aces. An asa is a, a type of tree, it's kind of a Japanese tree. And I wanna show you two pictures, both of these are in my garden. And the first one, it's not the best picture, but it just gives you a little bit of an idea. And then the next picture is also an asa. They are both Aces. They are both trees, but they do not flourish in the same conditions. They're both the same, but they don't flourish in the same conditions. One of those aces, the first one, you can see can tolerate full sun. The second picture, as I discovered, and you can tell by the look of it, it cannot stand full sun. Do you know how I know that? Because all the leaves dropped off. you can just see the new life that is growing. It'll be just growing in time for autumn and then it'll drop off again. But anyway, but the point is, do you know what? Do you know what I had to do? I had to reposition it. I didn't have to change garden. I had the same garden, but I had to reposition it in the garden into a place where it was going to thrive. I think that sometimes aces are a bit like people. Some of us will thrive in the sunshine. Some of us will thrive front and centre in the glare of the lights. Some of us will flourish better in the shade, behind the scenes. There's no right and there's no wrong. Sometimes we just got to, Sometimes maybe I'm a front and centre person, but God needs me in the shade for a time. Maybe I'm a, a, a shade person, but God will put me centre stage for a time. But ultimately where we flourish, God has put that in us. There's no good, there's no bad. It's just the way that it is. The thing I wanna say is we're all meant to flourish. God wants us all to flourish. You are meant to to flourish. And when I talk about shade, I'm not talking about hiding. I want to say this, I want to say that sometimes we get this illusion that somehow working behind the scenes is is somehow less somehow not as important to God. I think there's a kind of a whole heap of evidence to show that the opposite is true. The opposite is true. But, but, but God, God values highly those who do what they do in secret, who do what they do behind the, the scenes. It is not a lesser thing. It weighs heavy on the scales of God. And maybe, maybe we just, you know, maybe some of us, we're meant to flourish in the shade, but we're so busy looking for the, for the sun. We're looking for the lights that we, we, we don't understand why we're not thriving. We don't understand why we're not flourishing because we're not in the right place. God has got a place where you can flourish. God has got something for you to do. He's got something for you to do that will bless you and bless those around you and bless the house. Sometimes we just need a new position in the garden. Which takes me to my next point. Let me show you this. Just leave it up there for a minute. So I was, I was doing some weeding one day. This was a, a bush that I planted and pretty much it had died off. I mean, it was actually in the wrong place. And as I dug it up, I noticed there was like half a little fingernail's size leaf there, just the tiniest, tiniest leaf. And I don't know why I was going to throw it away. I have my bag there. I was going to throw it away. And I thought to myself, you know what? No, let me, let me just give this thing one more chance. You know, sometimes we need a little bit of faith and works and we need a new position and, and we need a little bit of food. In fact, Luke, uh, the Gospel of Luke talks about a parable that Jesus told us that uh, in, in Luke 13, a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, Leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. You know what, what I've learned is some things need another chance. Someone needs another chance. Someone deserves another chance chance. Maybe if you leave it, it won't make it. But if you dig around it and you fertilise it and have faith and show it a bit of love and concern, where it wasn't flourishing, it will begin to flourish. Let me tell you, a thumb, a fingernail of hope, a little fingernail of hope is better than no hope at all. Sometimes you've just got to be prepared to go with a little bit. You haven't got a lot, but you go with a little bit. Sometimes you've got to be prepared to act with a little bit of oil. You've got to be prepared to act with a little bit of flour. You've got to be prepared with with a few fish and, and, and a few loaves. You haven't got all the resources that you want, but you've just got to go with a little bit that you've got and do the best with what you've got. It's just a little bit, but God can do something great with a little bit. I could have just... I've easily thrown that away that day and missed that plant that is flourishing now. You gotta trust God with a little bit and do your part. Sometimes I think we too easily try and leave it all to God. I know. I know I need God. I know I need God's help. I know I'm not gonna make it without Him. I'm not gonna make it without Him. And I'm looking to God for so many things, but God is also looking to me. He's given me some stuff to look after. He's given me some things to do. He's given me some things to be responsible for and He's expecting me to be responsible. I've gotta gotta play my part and God will bless me and help me as I play my part. So, I started us off by talking about the fact that God started with a man and a woman in a garden. But we know that things did not end well because man sinned. And that's essentially because there was a battle of the wills God had asked the man and the woman to trust him to do it his way but somehow they believed that they knew better than God is there anyone in the house who's ever thought that they knew better than God about three of you that's awesome We know how the story went in the Garden of Eden. Man lost, he lost the battle, he lost the garden, and he lost the way for all mankind. But I wanna take you now to another garden where another battle was fought. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. See, sometimes God has to take you back. I know we don't like going back because whenever we go back, the enemy seizes on the opportunity to tell you that you've not made any progress, You are failing, look where you are. You've put in so much effort, you've put in so much energy and you haven't even moved forward. You're in the same place. But if God ever takes us back, it's not because He's trying to remind us of where we've come from or even remind us of where we failed. He's taking us back because He's trying to do something new. God is wanting to do something new in your life. Watch this. We meet Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, Matthew 26, 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane and He said to His disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with Him Peter and his two sons, the two sons of Zebedee, He began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then He said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, "My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, your will, not my will, be done." I want to, I want to, I want to draw the contrast between the two gardens, because in the first garden with Adam and with Eve. We've got what God said, and man expressing his will, saying, I'm putting my will over what God has said. But here in this moment, in this garden, we have Jesus who is saying, I lay down my will, and I choose God's will over my will. You know the interesting thing about Gethsemane is that actually the the name Gethsemane means oil press. Oil press. It's actually the place where olives are crushed. The olives are crushed to produce the oil. Isn't that an amazing thing that if an olive remains an olive it will never produce the oil but if it loses its identity if it lays down its olive ness it releases an oil you see the the oil the, the 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 oil the the anointing the 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 anointing oil the the oil you want a lot so many of us we want the oil we want the anointing but we don't want the the crushing we don't want the pressure we don't want the pressure that releases the anointing you have to lay yourself down. You have to lay down your identity. You know, there's a story I once heard about a bamboo tree that was crying out to God, said, God, use me, God, use me. The bamboo tree was a beautiful, huge tree in the garden. And, 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 and we're saying, God, use me, just use me. I wanna lay down my life for you. And, and God says, really, to the bamboo tree, do you wanna lay down your life for me? And the, and, and the bamboo tree said, yes, I just wanna be used by you. And God took the bamboo tree and He cut it down. And He split the bamboo and He laid the bamboo all around the garden and then used that to irrigate the garden. See, sometimes if you want to really be used by God, if you really want to be useful to Him, you've got to lay down who you are. That's what was happening in that garden of Gethsemane me that day. That's what was happening. Jesus was laying everything down. He was laying it all down and he was saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. But let me tell you this, let me tell you this just before I go because I'm nearly done, but let me just tell you this because I found this and I was like, oh my gosh, God, this is incredible. Because, guys, suddenly, it doesn't just mean oil press, it means eight presses or the press of the eighth? Eight presses or the press of the eighth? You say, okay, cool, but what, what are you gonna say about that? Well, it's just interesting to me that the number eight in the Bible signifies regeneration and resurrection. Eight in the Bible signifies a new beginning a new era I haven't got time to go into it but there were actually eight people who left the, the ark when Noah's ark came to land there were eight people it was the beginning of a new era it was the beginning of a day the Jews believe that Monday is the eighth day it's the beginning of a new week the beginning of a new era a child was circumcised on the eighth The eighth day was the day of covenant. It was the day of a new era. The number eight signifies a new beginning, a new era. And I suddenly realised that God took us back to the garden. Because what had been lost in one garden was restored in another garden. You say, well, you say, well, didn't Jesus do that on the cross? Sure, Jesus did that on the cross, but Jesus went to the cross because of the decision He'd made in the garden. He decided in the garden, not my will, but Your will be done. If there's any way I can get out of this, Lord, if there's any way this cup can be taken from me, but nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. God is releasing us from the old order and unleashing us to a new order. That's why Jesus came to call an end to what happened in the first garden and to reestablish our future in the new garden, in Gethsemane, what the first Adam lost, the last Adam called back for us. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. I am giving you a new beginning. I am giving you a new era. That is what Jesus came to do. He came to give you a brand new for so long he came to break you free from the old order and the shadows and the shame of the past Jesus came to give you hope and life and freedom because he who the son sets free is free indeed oh is there anyone in the house who can give God some praise this morning from the first garden. And Jesus established our freedom in the garden of Gethsemane. It's a new beginning. A new beginning. A new beginning. The old is gone. The new has come. It's a new era. Eight presses resurrection. 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 As Jesus laid down his will in that garden he was believing that God would do what he has promised and there would be a resurrection. I believe I've been sent to tell somebody here today that God will do what he has promised. It is not dead. It is not over. You will see a resurrection. People may be laughing now. People may be watching now. They may be scoffing now, but you just wait because God is going to cause that stone to be rolled away and that which looks dead will come back to life. And God will, God will declare resurrection, life and regeneration over that situation. And we will rejoice and be glad. I wonder if you'll pray with me. just believe there's someone here today who just need you need to hear there's a new beginning you kind of hoped but you need to hear that God is a God of another chance God is a God who when he comes to you he is an eternal optimist because he knows you better than you know you he knows who you are he knows what you are. He knows where you were formed because He saw you being formed before any man or any woman put their eyes on you. God saw you and God knew you and had a plan for your life. I'm talking to you right now if you do not know Jesus Christ. Maybe you wouldn't even call yourself a Christian. Maybe you don't even usually go to church. But I've come to tell you today that God loves you. God wants to set you free from the failure and the shame, the stuff you've done thinking you knew better than God. God wants to set you free from that garden, the garden of failure, the garden of mistakes, the garden of shame. He wants to set you free from that garden because Jesus fought for you in another garden. He fought to give you hope and life and he paid for that with his life on a cross. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been both challenged and inspired. To stay up to date with everything going on in our church, go to heartchurch.co.uk.